Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hello, let's dig for just a little bit today in the book of 2 Kings and let's talk about the window of God as we are in month six of our Digging Deep Great Escape study in the year 2018. We've been thinking about God's providence and we are six weeks into a study of His providence in the Old Testament. And we're looking at 2 Kings now and we're, we're beginning in chapter three of Second Kings. And in this um, account, I'm turning there now, you'll remember that Jehoram was the son of Ahab and he was the king over Israel. And he began reigning after Jehoshaphat had been the king over Judah for 18 years. And during that time, of course, Jehoram was a very evil king. He did uh, one good thing. He took away the image of Baal that his father had made, but otherwise the Bible says he continued to walk in the wicked ways of Jeroboam, and there, there wasn't very much good to say about Jehoram. But the king of Moab came, I'm sorry, the king of Moab came up against um, Jehoram. Jehoram is the one that has that H in there. And he came up against Israel, and Jehoram was afraid, and he enlisted the help of Judah of the kingdom that was still pretty good at this time and he asked Jehoshaphat if he would come up and help him to battle against Moab. And they were also in league with Edom and you'll remember that Edom was the country that descended from Esau's family. So these three kings were going up and trying to defeat Moab because Moab was being aggressive and coming up against them. So you'll remember what happened in this chapter was that Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet? Is there not a prophet of the Lord so that we can see if the Lord does want us to go up against Moab? And so Jehoshaphat said, Elijah, how about Elisha rather? Because Elijah, Elisha is the one who is the, um, well, the one who had, had hands laid on him by Elijah the prophet. So Jehoshaphat said the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and the king of Edom agreed and they called Elisha unto them. And Elisha said, now I wouldn't even be helping you. I wouldn't even take the time of the day to even inquire of the Lord about this if it weren't for Jehoshaphat. So that's a really neat little lesson that we learn there is sometimes if you have one of God's people on your side, then God at least is listening to that person and he is involved for the ultimate benefit of that person. So Jehoshaphat Jehoshaphat was the one that sort of redeemed this little group here and was the one who enlisted and was able to succeed in getting the ear of the prophet of God. So Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward you nor see you. That's 2 Kings 3 verse 14. Then he called for a minstrel and then he got the word of the Lord. And the Lord told him to make the valley full of, of ditches. They were in this very dry valley and there wasn't any water and they were about to just expire because of a lack of water and the Lord said you won't see wind verse 17 you won't see rain but when you build these ditches I'm gonna fill this valley up with water 
and you're going to have enough to drink, both you and your cattle and all of your beasts and all of your men. And it says in verse 18, this is just a little thing in the sight of the Lord, but he will deliver the Moabites also into your hands. So he's, he's giving them water and he's saying, I'm going to deliver the Moabites. Now I noticed on our Facebook page, someone was asking, why did God even help them when Jehoram was so wicked? Why did God even come to their rescue? Was it because of Jehoshaphat? And I would have to say that I, I would tend to think that's why the Lord helped them. Of course, Israel and Judah were still... Um, at this time, the well, Judah was, and Israel was originally, of course, the same land as was Judah, and it was through that children of Jacob, through the um, 12 tribes that the Messiah was going to come. So God had his eye on these people, and in the end, he was going to bring the Messiah from this land. So at any rate, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah now, and God is still with that kingdom because Jehoshaphat is for the most part a righteous king. So the Moabites got up, and the Bible says that they looked over toward where the Israelites were, and the sun was shining on the water, and the Moabites saw the water, verse 22, on the other side, and it looked to them as red as blood. So they said, this is blood verse 23, those kings are slain, and now those people have risen up and smitten one another, and so let's just go over there and plunder them. So they thought that they were seeing blood. They saw red there, and so they went over to plunder those people. Now, the question in your book was, was that an optical illusion that they saw red, or was it really was the water really red? Well, I've read lots of commentators and the majority of the ones that I'm seeing believe, of course, that it was an optical illusion. I kind of tend to that view myself just because it says the sun shone on it and they saw it red as blood. So another little caveat to add to that is that in Judges 7 verse 22 and in 1 Samuel 14 verse 20, we do have... Um, nations that are rising up within themselves and by mistake killing one another. So that's another reason when they looked at it and they saw it and it was kind of red, they thought, oh, they've killed each other. They have risen up against, they've had an infighting there. Of course, there were three nations involved there, so that that's a possibility. They've had an infighting there and they've risen up against each other and killed each other. Let's go, let's go take them. And so... As we, as we read that then, I want us to notice that here, it's very likely that the Israelites maybe never even knew. Well, it was written here in the book of 2 Kings, but on that day, they might not have even known that the people saw red. They might not have known why the Moabites decided to come on over and then they were able to take them by surprise when the Moabites thought the Israelites and the Edomites were already dead. You know, they might not have ever even known what God's hand here was doing in making them see red. 
Sometimes God's providence is involved. And on that day, we don't recognize that God was involved in the outcome that we needed to happen and in the good outcome that came to us. Sometimes we don't see God's hand in that. But miraculous or not, and and of course today it's not miraculous, and on this day, I don't really think that necessarily their seeing red was miraculous, but God was very much involved in their seeing red. And the people of Israel, though they didn't, weren't able to tangibly see God at work there in making them see red, nonetheless, God was at work. And things were turning out for their ultimate benefit because God was playing in in places where they didn't even know that he was involved. He is hearing us. He is involved. I want us to to talk about that a little bit more extensively in just a minute. But first, well, before we leave 2 Kings 3, let's talk about seeing red. You know, we still say today... Um, when violence is incited, when anger runs high, when excitements get going so that someone's going to be violent, we say, boy, he really saw red. You know, there's a real sense in which that happened that day. Those people saw red and they went over there on the attack. Now, I don't think the phrase came from that. I think the phrase probably came from the bullfights in uh, South America and in the United States when, you know, the bull is out there, they, they put the red robe in front of him and he sees red and so he attacks. And I think that's probably where the phrase came from. But when I thought about that, they saw red that day and they attacked. Now, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 7. That was the next passage that you looked at as you were studying. And in 2 Kings chapter 7, we begin with the prophet Elisha and he makes a promise in verse 1 that we can hardly believe because famine's going on and he says but by this time tomorrow a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria well that was hard to believe and so somebody was standing there a lord on whose hand the king leaned, the, the king's lord was standing there, and he said, If the Lord even made windows in heaven and opened them up, could this thing ever happen? And Elisha re- responded, Behold, you will see it with your own eyes, but you will not be able to eat of it. So here, Elisha makes a promise that's really hard to believe, and this guy says, Oh, that could never happen, even if God had a window in heaven and opened it up. There's not going to be enough food by tomorrow night. And because he didn't believe, Elisha said, Well, you're going to see this happen, but you are not going to get to eat of the barley. And so you remember the events that occurred that day. The leprous men were sitting out at the gate, and they used a a bit of logic. They said, Why are we going to sit here till we die? We have three options. We can sit here till we die. We can go into the city and all the people there are going to starve. We can die there. Or we can just join up with the Syrians. And what if they let us live? Well, if they let us live and be their servants or whatever, you know, the Syrians are going to attack. What if we just join up with the Syrians and they might let us live? But even if they don't, we die just as we're going to die in either of our other two options. And so these leprous men went into the camp of the Syrians, and when they got to the camp of the Syrians, nobody was there. All the tents were empty. No one was home. 
And so they went in there and they started getting the plunder and they got, um, you know, they, they went into one tent and they ate and drank there and they got silver and gold and clothes and they went and hid it and then they went to the next tent. I guess they could have done this all night long. But then they said, uh, well, we're not doing too well because if we stay here till morning light, something's going to happen to us. Our punishment is going to overtake us. So let's go tell the king. So they still had some hidden for themselves, of course, but then they went to tell the king that um, there was no one home over in the camp of the Syrians. And the king said, I'm not sure if they're shooting me straight or not. And maybe he thought they were working for the enemy, these leprous men. Uh, it's interesting to, to read about these leprous men because you remember leprous men couldn't go among the citizenry at that time. And so they had to yell out, they yelled out and said, look what we got. Nobody's home over in the camp of the Syrians. And the king got up in the middle of the night and said, I'm going to show you what the Syrians have done. They know that we're hungry. They have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field. And they know that we're, that we're going to discover that they're not in their tents. And when we come over there to go to their tents and plunder those tents, they're going to jump out and ambush us. They are going to get us. So the king was not trusting that this was any kind of good situation. So he, he sent some people to check it out and they went after them into Jordan. And as they saw, as they went on the way over here to the camp of the Syrians, they saw that their uh, vessels were there, the garments were there. They had just hurried out of their city and, and thrown away things as they went, just trying to get out of there. Now, the king now why did they do that why did they hurry out well we have the answer and what verse is that in it says um, let me find that verse god caused them to hear an army god caused those syrians to hear that an army was coming after them and it was a, it was a fake sound it was a sound from god and not a sound from a real army and so they fled and so we'll find that verse I know you're looking for it too um I should have I should have had that ready before I started talking but but I'll find it for you but anyway the God made the Syrians hear a noise and they ran out of their tents and they ran away from their encampment there and even dropping their vessels and their garments as they went and so these two people that that the king had sent these two chariots that the king had sent came back and said you might as well go and see because they are not the syrians are not at home and so the people went out and spoiled the people of israel went out and spoiled the tents of the syrians so here's the prophecy a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley were sold for a shekel according to the word of the lord suddenly there was plenty of food and so the market bore then a, a shekel for a measure of fine flour and a shekel for two measures of barley now let's look at the end of the chapter and the king appointed the lord on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate and the people trod upon him in the gate and he died as the man of God had said who spake when the king came down to him. So the king appointed that same man who said, this is not going to happen even if God opens a window in heaven. 
So he puts him in charge of the gate where the people are passing through to obtain food. In verse 18, it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord, verse 19, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And that's when the prophet said, you'll remember, You shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And that's exactly what happened. Verse 20, the last verse of the chapter, And so it fell out to him, For the people trode upon him in the gate, and he died. You know what? We should never make fun of the word of the Lord. We should never make fun of our revelation from God as this Lord of the gate did. Because as we sow, we shall reap. God is not mocked. It is verse 6. That was the verse I was looking for. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. So these people heard an army coming. They thought it was the great big army of the Hittites or the Egyptians coming after them. And so they fled and they dropped their vessels and they dropped their garments and they just got out of there as quickly as they could, leaving their encampment completely void and empty, completely empty, left all their silver behind, all their gold, all their food, and they left it for leprous men who came in and said, whoa, we, they thought the night before that they had three choices and almost either, either one of those choices they'd end up dead the next day. But they walked into this dream world where they could just go into any tent they chose and eat their full and take the silver and the gold. And then they started feeling afraid. Oh, what? We're lepers. We're already outcasts. What if the what if our people find out that we're getting rich and nobody's home over here? Maybe we should tell the king. So, of course, they went back and told the king. The king checked it out. God had made the Syrians hear an army that wasn't really there. Then they had fled, and Israel then took over. And sure enough, there was plenty of food by nightfall the next day, just as Elisha had said. And there was also a dead Lord of the gate because that Lord of the gate had made fun of the Word of God. Now, as we wrap up, I wanted us to notice this time as well. Do you think the Israelites that day knew about the noise of the army? I, I really doubt it. I think probably Elisha did. But they didn't know why. The, it was obvious. They didn't know why the Syrians weren't home. They didn't even know that they weren't home. But God had done something. And it was it was not obvious it was subtle he had done something secretly that the people of God didn't know about but in the end it was gonna benefit the people of God does he do that today well, I believe he providentially does 
I believe he does things, not miraculously anymore, but I believe he does things in our world in an active way that is going to make Romans 8.28 be a reality for his people, that all things will work together for good to his people. He has a window. We read about that window again in Malachi 3.10 where God says, If you will give me the tithes and offerings, show me the obeisance that you should show me, show me the respect that you should show me, if you will live sacrificially for me, basically is what he says in Malachi 3, I'll open up the windows in heaven and pour you out a blessing so that you do not even have room to receive it. I'm going to tell you what, God's done that for me. I can look at the material blessings that he's given me and I know his window is open. I can look at the security of salvation that he has given me and I know that his window is open. I can look at the fellowship of the body of believers that he's given to me and I know that his window is open. I can look at the revelation, his word that gives me extreme comfort and security and sense of purpose in this life, and I know that his window is open. There are many myriads of ways today in my life that I know God's window is open. But you know what? There are likely some ways that I will never even recognize. Ways in which God has raised up that window and listened and pass blessings to me through that window providentially and I may even be unaware of their passage and yet I'm aware in the big sense that he does that because of Romans 8 28 all things all the things that are going on around me do I know about all those things do I know about the myriad of events and activities that are going on around me that God can intertwine to make the events of my life turn out for my best ultimate spiritual benefit I doubt if I know everything he's doing he is omniscient knowing all he is omnipotent being all-powerful he is omnipresent being everywhere at one time I cannot imagine all that he is doing to orchestrate the events and activities and schedules of this world through his providence for the benefit of his kingdom here but I'm so thankful that he does he is so good he is so great let's go serve him thanks for listening if you find yourself in Huntsville Alabama we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m. followed by Bible classes for all ages we meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.